Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, we've been doing a couple of shows on my own without guests, and so I apologize for not including some other experts, but I want to make today's show very valuable, poignant, uh, maybe not as long as some of the other ones, but I also want to make it extremely valuable to you and for you and for all of us. And I'm doing this show today because I need this as much of any of you listening here. Those of us that speak just because we teach certain concepts, that doesn't mean that we don't need to work on it ourselves. In fact, we recognize and see that it is important. And today is really around our, your mindset. You know, what we are thinking constantly is affecting our environment. And I'm going to get a little scientific and go through some research with you today. But my encouragement is is that we are 100% responsible for our thoughts. Our thoughts really do influence and control our actions, our behaviors. So everything begins with this consciousness. Human beings are different than any other entity on this planet in the fact that we have this consciousness this ability to make some choices, to create, to be creative. But it also, on the other side, is it affects our ability to be effective. So today is really around what are the things that hinder us around our mindset. Having a winning and successful mindset is critical to all of us to be successful in life. So let's just talk about it. First of all, There's a new word, not a new word, but a word in neuroscience called epigenetics. What that means is that you change, you actually change the physical makeup of your brain based on our thoughts. And this mental activity then is scientifically called neuroplasticity. So when we, I've done health sessions before and we talked about that Uh, 95%, according to the World Health Organization, 95% of illness in the world is lifestyle related. That's, you know, what we eat, how we, you know, the toxins in our environment. It's not genetic, but it also is our mindset. You've ever heard the comment, well, she worried herself to death. Well, that actually is a true statement. So I want to talk about three or four things today around are you really influencing your mindset. Now, interesting, I'm going through this right now. I won't go in through the details about where we need to manage our mindset every single day to be successful in life. And the first item is really around fear. You know, it's interesting how uh, I just came out of Washington, D.C., was doing some work with the U.S. government there, and uh, one of the things I was just looking at was just all the monuments that they have there, and Roosevelt talked about the only fear that we need to fear is fear itself. That's not his exact quote, but the one thing that we want to be concerned about is the fact that 
fear is what drives us. Fear is what freezes us. It freezes us from taking action. It hinders progress. It reduces your and my effectiveness in all parts of our life. So I'm just going through a situation right now where we're making some big decisions, some huge changes. And so what can creep up is doubt then is this sort of hidden fear. And what is our mindset about it? And so our um, choices then are hindered. They are affected based on fear. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, I've, me- I've mentioned her before, a neuroscientist, has uh, written the book called Who Switched Off My Brain? And she has now proven that through her research is that our thoughts actually change the molecular structure and atoms around our bodies. Now, of course, linked to the research around quantum physics. Uh, There was a a university, and I'm sorry, I believe it was MIT, but I might be uh, incorrect in that. Uh, But anyways, what they proved was if I'm in one room and I have a water glass in another room and I focus on that water glass and I and thinking negative thoughts about that water glass, what they were able to measure is that I can actually change the molecular structure of that water through that negativity. Have you ever walked in a room and there's tension, there's conflict in the room, you you don't know anybody there, but you can feel it? How is it that you can feel conflict? That's because there is this reality of quantum physics that our emotions do broadcast their energy. And so if somebody is really positive, you can feel that energy. If somebody's being really negative, you can feel that energy. And so the question I have for you today is what is fear costing you? Is it, you know, if you are driving your decisions based on fear, then that is not a productive way to live our life. I have a family member, and everything that they do is they worry and they have fear over their whole life. It's burdensome. I mean, I don't even want to hang out with them because everything is negative, result of the fear. I remember having a staff member, and her her fear was... um, um, worry. But one of the things that happened was is that uh, she was always worried about her son. And so she worried about hanging out the wrong individual, staying out too late, uh, late, passing her courses. You know, that whole negative worry was then an oppression on this other individual. That was the energy that that individual was giving to that uh, to their to their child. So there are many parents who transfer fear or fear mindset to their kids. You know, it's destructive to them. It's you if you're constantly worrying about them. It's not to say that you don't have safety or you don't have some concerns. Sure, we do have it. But are do we have a worry mindset or are we free of that? Do we live in peace in our own thought processes? I mean, a lot of us can worry about all the things. Uh, that are going on around us? Are you worried about what other people are thinking? Are you, it is affecting you. I want to actually read a longer quote from Brenda Bouchard who wrote the Motivational Manifesto. And so Brenda in his book has this, if individuals would speak more accurately about fear, 
they would say, I'm afraid of how I will feel emotionally and whether I will live up to my expectations of myself and the expectations of those who put me on stage. I'm afraid of how I will look. I'm afraid of how I will not do well. I'm afraid of how I will lose my place or draw a blank. I'm afraid I will not be respected. Notice the orders of all these comments. It is not fear is running me. It is I am afraid. The I is leading the way. The ego is in charge. The challenge is, is that the unconditional, unconditioned mind, mind you, pardon me, fear is louder and more intense and immediate than our desire for self-mastery or for contribution to others. Fear is the greatest uh, interferer of personal freedom. It is sad, but a real fact that the world is littered with good men and women who simply let the motivation of fear drive their lives. I remember watching a video, an online um, program um, for Dr. Carolyn Leaf. And it was interesting how a lot of people will say, you know what, I really have no choice. In every situation in life, you and I have a choice on how we're going to respond to the condition, to the environment that we are part of. Your fear, if you're fearing, if you're worrying, that is your choice. You are 100% responsible. You know, in a recent podcast with Patrick Francis, we had talked about it, that Patrick, one of the things he was trying to do to be really owning his space is, I'm going to take 100% responsibility for how I am being, how I'm responding, how I am reacting. I also was in Washington, D.C., went to the um, uh, Holocaust Museum in what was interesting there is like in Viktor Frankl's book, book Man's Search for Meaning, who was in Auschwitz, she says, you know what, even in that horrific, terrible state, which we don't ever want to do again, but we have in several times since that, is that I have a choice. I have a choice about how I'm going to respond. The last place that people can control, which is 100% for you, is your responses, your thoughts. You, are you being hopeful or are you being hopeless? So fear, fear is fear interfering. What is it doing? Is it intimidating you? Is it uh, hindering you? You know, a lot of times, I remember years ago, I had a decision to make something and I didn't do it. And I said, well, what drove me to not doing it was probably fear, failure, maybe, or even fear of success. We have all these different fears that we can have and so we want to be able to identify and say, is that holding you back? Now, one of the other, other sort of insidious form of fear, which I've talked about already, is this worry side. You know, we worry about everything. We worry about our money. We worry about our job. We worry about what other people think. Now, the other one is around worry and or fear what other people think. You know, I don't know if you knew this or not, and this is an old, old stat, but 90 of people's thoughts are really about themselves. And so the reality is, is you're worried about what other people are thinking about you. But we are mostly self-centered. We're not thinking about you. We're thinking about ourselves. So this idea, that is really a self-centered, egocentric kind of position to take that, oh, I'm worried about what other people are going to think about me. You know what? They don't even care about you. They're worried about themselves. So, you know, actually, that's a little bit funny. Uh, the other one is, is that there was a stat around 85% of those things that we worry about, 
we have no control over anyway. So how is that benefiting you? That is hindering your creativity, your solution mindset. So all of those are part of the worry side. Just let it go and be in peace. The other thing is is that the other items is that I think it's 97% of the things that we worry about don't ever come about anyways. So we're spending all that energy, all that information, uh, all that time, and notice we're a reminder of what Carolyn Lee said is that our worry and fear is affecting our bodies. We worry ourselves to death. That is actually a true statement. It is affecting our immune system. There's all kinds of research that shows that, that if I, have, I live in fear, if I have a lot of worry, that it affects my health levels and my DNA. So when we talked about where people can get illness, your thought process, because of epigenetics, your thought process is actually not, is altering how your DNA responds. And so it's not changing your DNA, but it's changing how your DNA responds to the environment. And so when people say, well, I have a genetic defect and I'm going to be this way or I'm going to be ill, you actually are influencing the outcome. You didn't change your DNA. You altered how your DNA, DNA responds. So all of these are things for you to consider. So I want you to think about it right now. Are you letting fear the mindset of fear and worry infiltrate your life. I want you to consider it personally, professionally. Is it affecting you in a negative way? Do you know somebody around you where fear and worry is draining them, where they are not focused on the affirmative? You know, the law of attraction, which has been around through the secret in that, I don't uh, it, embrace all of what they're saying, but it is very true that... As what we focus on, we get more of. So if I am focusing on fear, if I'm focusing on all the negative things, and we get that, then why should we be surprised? So if rather than you are thinking about all the positive things, all the affirmative things, uh, then why wouldn't we get that? And some people you know, ask me the question, Ken, you've been a speaker, you've been on the stage, been there for you know, over 3,000 presentations. Now, people ask the question, said, you know, do you get nervous before a presentation? And my response is, never. I, I just don't. It just doesn't happen. And somebody said, well how, well, how is that? Well, because I focus on the fact that I'm there to serve them. Remember how uh, Brendan's quote was, it's all about I. It's about ego. That's where fear comes from is I'm there to serve them. I've done 3,000 of them. I'm very comfortable with it. And I also have an expectation that people will enjoy the session. I'm not worried about what other people will think. Yes, I want to do a good job. I want to be able to serve them. And my presentations aren't without improvement or opportunities for it. But if I focus on the fear or worry what other people will think or say, then I'm not going to do a good job. It's going to hinder me. You will have hesitation. You see that with presenters where they are nervous, and all of a sudden the flow is not there the way that it could be. Somebody talks about even doing these podcasts. Ken, are you nervous when you do this? Absolutely not. Does I, do I sound nervous? Do, I am not concerned. I'm not worried about it. I'm just allowing the flow to be here to be able to serve you the best that I can. The other one is 
there's another source that I would encourage that you can take a look at, and that doc, that's Dr. Bruce Lipton's work and the author of the uh, Biology of Belief. Again, our belief systems, our mindset, our thoughts are affecting the outcome, but also affecting our DNA. So we want to be able to switch that. <clears throat> so I want you to excuse me. I'd like you to think about what are some areas that you can be and release the fear? Where can you get some help with that? Uh, there are some emotional anchors that people can have, and I know that in the personal coaching that I do with individuals is that we do have an emotional release because sometimes our fear is entrenched from something that happened uh, decades ago for some of us where there is this emotional trigger internally that we need to be able to release so that I can move on from that because it was so um, uh, entrenched into our thoughts or our process as part of it. Now, the other item when we think about today in the mindset, and I've done partial shows on this, but I'm going to spend a little bit more time in that, is that our mindset also comes into this other area is that are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? Now, I'm going to reference Dr. Segelman's um, Learned Optimism book. And Martin's been kind enough to give us permission to use his work in my book, The Quest for Purpose. And so I'm just going to talk about the optimistic and the pessimistic mindset and how he measures it and how in his work of 25, well, now he's into 35 years of research, is that your mindset of other optimism or pessimism, which is what I've been talking about, actually has a predictive coefficient, meaning it will predict your success or not. He said it was actually more important than my IQ, my intelligences. You know, when we think about, there's a big word in the world right now called resilience. You know, do I have resilience? Because a lack of resilience comes out of hopelessness. So I, and that's where depression, and there's all this uh, mental uh, sort of um, mental state or, or uh, mental um, illness that's out there right now. A lot of that is self-induced because we have individuals who are on Facebook and they're looking for affirmation and they don't, go, don't get that affirmation. And I won't get into that sort of social media and the addictive nature of some of these uh, platforms, but that also is driving some of our depression. And by the way, somebody says, well, Ken, you don't know anything about it. Well, that's not true, because in 1988, I was diagnosed with manic depression. And what it ended up being is I was put on lithium, which is an antidepressant. I was ready to kill somebody. And it was, uh, it was because I didn't need the drug, I was actually hypoglycemic. Now, how hypoglycemia manifest in your body when you have very low blood sugar you really don't have the energy to engage life and so I felt hopeless so I would be on the top of the world and on the bottom of the world within hours of one another and it was a biological state but it then affected me mentally and emotionally because you know if there is no sugar going or no gas going to the engine then the engine's going to quit and that's your mind and so I know what it's like to kind of be in this state, to be, quote, unquote, suicidal uh, when I was younger, when in, in my 19 or 20 or 21, and how I just felt 
hopeless. And so I've been there. I know that it's not a place that you want to be. However, I want to encourage everybody listening here is that you have the capability to shift your mindset, to shift the outcome, because our thoughts are generating our conditions. So let's just talk about it. In uh, Martin's research over three decades on what actually makes the difference between an optimistic and pessimistic mindset. So if you're driving, if you're listening, I want you to kind of look at this. And if you want to be able to um, do your own assessment, then get the book Learned Optimism. And in it is an assessment on determining your pessimistic or optimistic tendencies. And I was quite surprised when I took this the first time 25 years ago, how really neutral I was. I really felt I was an optimistic person, but I very quickly discovered that I was maybe not as optimistic as I thought I was. And so I really needed to start working on my thoughts and how I responded to things. So let's just go through this. When we think about optimism and pessimism, there are three different components. So the first one is what we call as far as permanent and temporary. So let's say somebody, uh, and there's also time, and there's also sort of what they call the globalness or the universal app, uh, application of this. Let's say I have something successful happen to me, so I get a sale. So somebody who is permanent or, or, or pardon me, uh, optimistic, they will say, you know what, I really worked hard to get that sale. So they're going to own, they're going to own that success. So it's personal, but I'm going to own that success that I worked hard to get that sale. Number two is they're going to take that success and they're going to expand it universally throughout the rest of their life. She says, I'm not only successful in sales. I have great personal relationships. I see that my finances are doing well. All of these things is that it's affecting my global life and I, I really transpose or I, I transport whatever verb you want to use into my entire life. The last item is uh, what we call projecting into the future. So I'm an optimistic person when I say, I not only did I get this sale now, you know what, I don't see anything changing at all in the future. I'm going to be successful going forward. I see the success continuing in the future. So the optimistic individual, when they have a success, they uh, own it, meaning I contributed to it. They transfer that to their entire life, and then they transport it, or they have a mindset that it's going to continue into the future. Now, on the flip side, Let's say I'm pessimistic and I do get the sale. So first of all, they will discount their contribution to the sale. You know what? I just really got lucky. You know, I'm not even sure why that person purchased from me, but they did. And then what they do is they do the reverse. They contain that success to that event. You know, well, I got this one sale, but the rest of my life sucks. You know, my relationships are poor. My health's poor. Uh, so I might have got this sale, but nothing else is really working out for me. And then what they do is then they transport in a pessimistic way into the future, said, well, this is just a one-off. I don't see other people buying from me in the future. So they actually don't, they contain that success to that one item, but they don't even leverage it into the future. So that's the difference between a pessimistic 
an optimistic individual when there's success. But let's go to the other side. Let's say I didn't get the sale and I worked really hard to be able to get the sale. Here's how the optimistic and pessimistic mindset responds to it. So I didn't get the sale or I failed at something or it didn't occur the way that I hoped to. Or maybe I was uh, bidding on a property that I didn't get it. And so a lot of times people can be devastated by that. So let's say I'm optimistic and I didn't get the sale. Here's how the optimistic person responds to it. Is first of all, the optimistic person contains that sale, that failure to that event. So first of all, you know what? Uh, actually, let me back up. Is first of all, I don't take the loss personally. So when I'm optimistic, you know, I worked hard. I tried to sell Ken and give him what he needed to do uh, to have. But there were some other uh, individuals out there that had different options, and that's, that's fine. And so I don't take the loss personally. I really uh, discount it. I don't really get destroyed by the fact that you didn't purchase from me. So that's number one. Number two is I don't transfer this loss to the rest of my life. You know what? I might not have gotten the sale, but the rest of my life really rocks. I mean, I, I got some sales before, and then my uh, personal relationships are great. My health's great. Things are just going very, very well. It just happens to be one sale that I didn't get. The other thing that the optimistic person does is that they contain that loss to that event. So they say, you know what? Uh, Ken didn't buy this time, but I know that he might buy in the future, and there's many other people who could benefit from my products in the future. So that optimistic individual doesn't let that failure affect uh, success going forward. You know, one of the things I do in our sales training, and I said, when's the best time to sell something? And it's kind of a trick question, but the answer is, is just after I've sold something. Why is it? Because your mindset is around success. You just have the endorphins, you have this chemical flush of success that's through your system. And interesting enough is that mindset and that focus then helps you to be successful going forward, interesting enough. Now let's just take that and transfer it to the pessimistic individual. So the pessimistic individual didn't get the sale. So first of all, they said, you know what, I, you know, I, I'm not a very they, – they take the sale – the loss of the sale personally. You know, I didn't work hard enough. I could have done this. I'm not suggesting that we don't look at ways that we could improve. That's not what I'm talking about. But we blame ourselves for the entire loss when the fact is, is that other people have independent choices or selections that they can make, and you're not going to be chosen every time. So they, but they, they take it personally. And they really kind of beat themselves up, and there's guilt that's attached to it, and there's uh, the beating of self and self-esteem. The next one is is that if they failed, they said, you know what? That's I not only did I get that not get that sale, that's reflective of the rest of my life. My relationships suck. My <laughs> all these other things are are poor in my life, and you know, this is just an affirmation that I can't do well. And then they, they say permeate that or they make it per, pervasive throughout their entire uh, sort of life. And then the last one is, is that they then project the loss, this is a pessimistic individual, 
into the future. You know what? I didn't get this sale. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get a sale. I, you probably People are going to say no to me for the rest of my life. And so now all of a sudden they are projecting into the future this mindset of a loss. So when you think about a winning mindset, are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? And how you respond to both success and failure is critical to the mindset and the success that you're going to have in life. This is not a judgment call. This is not about, okay, you know what, if you failed and screwed up, Ken, you're not taking ownership. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm suggesting is, is that we are not going to let failure and or success hinder our progress forward. So when people talk about resilience, resilience really comes out of being hopeful. Hopefulness comes out of being optimistic. So my question is, if I was to ask your friends around you, are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? Do you operate in fear or do you worry? And the other one that is another mindset, and I'll end the show on this, that really is, is something that comes out of Dr. Marshall Goldsmith's book, uh, Triggers, is this what we call the Western, he calls it the Western disease of mediocrity, where it's good enough. It's the good enough disease. And it's interesting, you know, we all love winners. We love the Rocky movies and where the person comes out of nothing, out of the ashes, and they are successful. But interesting enough, a lot of us try to rationalize or justify our poor discipline, our lack of commitment, our lack of leadership, our pessimistic attitudes by calling it good enough. So here's an example. Hey, one ice cream will not affect your diet. What do you mean it won't affect your diet? Of course it will. Uh, how come you're working so hard? Why don't you just take it easy? Uh, you know what? You can start running tomorrow. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, that will never work. I mean, there's all these things where people sort of discount aspirations, discount excellence, discount success. So the reality is, is that, and we've talked about this in other shows, that success comes from being structured in discipline, but this disease of good enough is not good enough. It is a disease where we accept mediocrity, and that is a mindset that you don't want to have. Now, there's another mindset, uh, and Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, I mean, he has used it, but it's nothing new. It's not something that he created at all. However, the other one was the Western disease of when I get there. So when we talk about people being in flow or joyful or happiness, which is a little bit different than joyful, is that when I get the car, then I'll be happy or then I'll be joyful. When I get the house, when I get that, in, you know, in a materialistic society, here's the reality, is that you will never – in your entire lifetime, get enough to stay happy or joyful. It was interesting, and I mentioned it before, I said, what was the number one contributor 
to uh, landfills in around the developed world right now, and it is it is clothing because fashion is now become the new disease. Fashion now lasts two weeks <clears throat> to two months to a maximum four months, and then somebody else is trying to change fashion. And if I'm not dressed a certain way, then I'm not going to be successful. So what am I doing? I am not having a winning mindset. So good enough, but the other one is, you know, do am I thinking and worried about what everybody else is thinking? Do I have the mindset of a winner? And I don't need all these other items. So we talked about fear. We talked about worry. Is that prevalent in you? We talked in detail around the, the mindset of optimism and pessimism. And so listen to this over again and start analyzing and looking that or get the Learned Optimism uh, book or get the, Dr. Carolyn's uh, books, switch on, switch on Your Brain or Who Switched Off My Brain as part of it. Or the Western disease. Do we have the Western disease of, you know, when I get there? You know what? Right now, this very moment, you listening to this podcast, you have a choice this very moment to be satisfied, to be um, in a state of appreciation, in a state of thankfulness, in a state of flow. We all have that choice. And by the way, I need to work on this just like everybody else that's listening to this at some degree or another. None of us ever get there. We are always getting there. Our life is an active tense word. So for ourselves, you know, we want to look at what is meaning, what is fulfilling to us, rather than amusing ourselves to death. So of course, I could get sidetracked and we could go on to another expansion in a whole other stream to expand this uh, podcast. But I promised you that I'd make this just a little bit shorter than normal. My encouragement to you is that you Everybody listening to this podcast, you have a choice. Your mental mindset, your response to items, either optimistic with an optimism or with a pessimism, is your choice. It always has been your choice. To say that nobody's letting me do it is a victim mindset. That is not the mindset of a successful individual. It is not a winning mindset. So... All of us, myself included, each day need to challenge ourselves and reflect and say, am I in this space where I am being aware of what my thoughts uh, are really? What are your thoughts really? Are you worrying or not? It's interesting in our Leadership Skills 360, the first two skills are really around being grounded and centered. In the other Number one item in coaching right now is mindfulness. So if we think about resilience, if we think about mindfulness, if we think about effectiveness, all of this has to do with your thoughts and you control them. You are in charge of them. And there's all kinds of factors that contribute to it. We don't have time to go into that today. Well, I thank you for listening. Hopefully you have found 
some of the comments today encouraging to you, challenging to you, growth mindset for you. You know, if you have some questions about our services or how we might be able to speak at a conference or do training with you or how our assessments are tools around our self-worth or values or personal style or leadership skills can support you or organizations you know, then we'd be happy to chat with you. As always, I thank you for spending the most valuable uh, item and commodity that you have with us, and that is your time. If you like what we're doing, share it, pass it on, let others know, leave a positive uh, comment on whatever platform you're listening to, if it's iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. And I thank you each time that you are with us for listening. It is a privilege to be able to serve you. I thank you for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.